This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation. Mystery Hour with James O'Brien. Call 0345 6060 973. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Mystery Hour with James O'Brien on LBC. Four minutes after 12, it's not Stonehenge, it's not Buckingham Palace, and it's not Thorpe Park. The most popular visitor attraction in Britain is the British Museum, rather appropriately. I like that. Sort of a bit pub quizzy, perhaps, but now you know. Uh, let's solve a few more mysteries now. It's, it's time for Mystery Hour, your weekly opportunity to get answers to the questions that have you puzzled in the worst imaginable way. It's the... The radio equivalent, if you like, of those newspaper columns where a reader writes in with a, with a why or a who or a where or a when or a whither. Why do we do this? Where, where, where does that come from? What is the origin of that? Who did that? And what does that mean? And why can't I do this? And why can I do that? And when I do this, why does that happen? You get the idea. Seriously, almost anything goes. Phone line's free. 03456060973. If you're familiar, if you're a regular, if you know about Mystery Hour, then grab a phone line now, seriously, because you'll be, you'll be in with quite a good chance for the next 30 or 40 seconds or so. If you don't know how it works, let me, let me explain a little further. Somebody will ring in imminently with a question, which involves, as I just suggested, a who, a why, a when, a where, a whither, a uh, what or a wherefore, and somebody else listening to the programme will know the answer, whether because they happen to have a PhD in the relevant subject matter, or whether they saw it on telly last night. The point is, it doesn't matter how you know it, merely that you do know it. So when I ask you what your qualifications are, it doesn't mean you have to say, well, I got a bag of gymnastics award three in 1979, James. It means you just have to say, well, I know this because I read a book 10 years ago, I saw it on the telly, or um, I studied it. What you're not allowed to do is look anything up. I know that sounds odd if you are new to this, but, but it is a celebration, and I use that word quite advisedly, it's a celebration of learning and education. Not school-based learning, because, of course, A-levels today would make that pertinent, but it's not about school-based learning. It's about anywhere-based learning. You might have picked something up at school that equips you with what you need to answer a mystery hour question, but you might equally have picked it up in the most bizarre of circumstances. Your qualifications could be supreme. And we've had people in the past who who almost made me wonder whether they'd made up their qualifications because they were so on the money, so on the buzzer, so, so uh, relevant to the question that was being asked. If it's boring, you probably won't get on. And, And I know that's a little unfair because boredom is in the ear of the beholder, generally speaking, isn't it? Rather than something that can be objectively established with an algorithm or or an equation, um, but just by way of advice, if it's about motoring, generally, or if it's about some, if it's a question to which it's it's unlikely anyone except you is going to be interested in the answer, then you're probably running the risk of being excluded on the grounds of dullness. And the same stands for repetition. If it's a question which we can remember between us, and we've been doing this a long time now, Jones and I in particular, have been doing this for more years than I care to recall. Uh, but if we can remember dealing with the question you ask relatively recently, then you will be politely invited to move along as well and free up the phone line for somebody with a I nearly said a fresh question, but I don't know, that doesn't quite sound right. A new question, an unanswered question, an abiding mystery. Uh, You'll only hear me say the number if I've got a phone line free, so um, I've got one at the moment, so I'll say it. 0345 6060973. You need the same phone number if you've got an answer to a question that somebody else has asked, and uh, should you manage to successfully solve a mystery you will receive the most glittering accolade the most prestigious prize the most sought after 
award in not just British radio, but international broadcasting history. You will receive, and I don't want you to get too excited about this yet, because don't count your chickens before they've hatched. You will receive a Mystery Hour round of applause. I kid you not. It's eight minutes after 12. We'll get up and running in just a moment. But remember, if you want to get involved, wait until you hear somebody hear me bid farewell to somebody else. And then the judicious use of redial should free up the phone line for you. 03456060973. We're also, um, this week, finally going to remember to do the Twitter Mystery Hour, the hashtag, which is a way for you to submit questions if you're listening to the podcast as opposed to listening live. Um, in which case, hello. Hello, it's 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 probably not thursday anymore is it if you're listening to this on the podcast but i want you to be able to get involved i want you to be able to submit questions um despite the fact that you're not listening live and you can do that by tweeting me at any point during the previous week under the hashtag twitter mystery hour so send a tweet to at mr james ob um and you can send it to me directly at any point during the week and i'll try and get it on next week's podcast i'm just looking at the ones that have already come in this week we've got quite a lot of them i'm only going to take one a week actually david wants to know why our knuckles crack joe wants to know in which shape does the space station vegetables grow in zero gravity robert wants to know why he feels um like his temperature rises when he takes deep breaths to calm down jemmy's wants to know why victorian and edwardian houses have such high ceilings i'm quite drawn to that one at first i don't know yet i'll, I'll make a decision imminently Shall we crack on? Terry is in Croydon with the first question of the week. What will it be, Terry? Terry? Terry. Paul is in Crawley. Paul, what's your question? Uh, hello, good afternoon. Hello, Paul. Um, I stayed up last night to uh, watch the uh, meteor shower uh, down in the Surrey Hills, and we uh, we camped out overnight. How was it? Um uh, wet in the morning um but well, the, we, the, the meteor shower mate oh, not not, the not your sleeping shower. not your sleeping bag this morning <laughs> um it was it, it was it was good it wasn't as spectacular as expected but we have a lot of light pollution down here but we saw some amazing ones about about a dozen or so oh wow okay. um so i'd seen i'd seen it uh, advertised on on facebook and, and whatnot and what i wanted to know is how how do we um or, or the science people know that it's coming do we have some sort of intergalactic radar to tell us that we've got some meteors coming our way? Probably, yes. I mean, it, 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 what is a meteor? Uh, just a, a bit of, of rock that happens to be randomly well, wouldn't it flying be, through space. It'd be just, just be tracked in the same way as anything else that's flying through space, wouldn't it? You'd, you'd just see bleeps on a screen and know that something was set to enter your orbit. Hmm. How do we know when Halley's Comet is coming? Uh, because it's well documented and it's, it's done several laps in the uh, history of known science, but, I reckon. But, but in terms of knowing where it is right now, the technology you'd use to do that would be the same as the technology used. I don't know. I don't even know why I'm trying to answer it, to be honest with you, mate. I think I'm just jealous that you managed to see a few. Apparently the West Midlands <laughs> was the best place to see them because there was less cloud cover and possibly less light pollution as well. Um, how oh, do wow. we know when it's going to shower meteors? Yes. I like that. Oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three. If you know the answer to that question, let's go to Lawrence. What's happened to what's his chops? The last fellow. I love the look of that question. No, <laughs> Lawrence is in Chiswick. Lawrence, question or answer? It's a question, James. Carry on. Uh, probably like a lot of people, I've been hooked on the current Ashes yes, cricket. Yes, indeed. It. And um, 
I just want to know where the expression, he's just bowled a maiden over, or he's just scored his maiden century. You know, where, where does this maiden fit in? Where Ma- does it come from? Maid, bowl, bowl, bowling a maiden. Bowling a maiden over. Yeah, I don't. Maybe. I mean, it's not the same meaning as as a maiden century. Just means first century, doesn't it? Yeah, but where where does the maiden come in? I'm only going to let you have one maiden. I'm afraid this is, we don't believe in okay. polygamy. We don't believe in polygamy on this program. So <laughs> so the, the maiden as a description of an over where no runs have been scored. Where no runs have been scored off of it. Yeah. Why a maiden? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like that. If you know the answer to that, or if you know how meteor showers are predicted or, or, or predictable, then call the usual number: oh three four five six zero six zero nine seven three. Professor Martin Smith is a professor of robotics at Middlesex University, and ordinarily only rings in with answers rather than questions because he knows everything. Which question would you like to answer, Professor Smith? I think I could manage the one about. How do we know when comets are going to come near us? Or, or meteors. Meteors. Yes. Anything, really. Yes. Uh, it's thanks to Isaac Newton, really. Um, he formulated uh, his laws of motion, and one of which, uh, in fact the first one, was uh, objects will continue in uniform motion or stay at rest unless a force is acting on them. So if you have a photograph, let's say, of an object and then you take a photograph of the known time later, you can plot its uh, path, and uh, Newton tells us it will continue on that path forevermore. And but Paul, Paul, Paul would want more than that. Paul would want to know how you could know where the meteor path was. I mean, you, you, you can, uh, you, that, that tells you why, why they end up here, but how do you plot the beginning and the end and actually put a date on when it will get here? You'd have to know it exists before you can do that. Well, uh, from photographs. So you know on the position of the photographs... Um, photographs of space? Uh, of the object, uh, in over a period of time. So you, you can, with several... The more photographs you have, the better. But um, So there's photograph. Who takes the photographs of the meteor shower? Well, uh, astronomers using telescopes. And how do you know it's moving? Uh, because it's in a different place each uh, night or each day. And once you know what the speed is and the direction in which it's moving from intergalactic photography, you can predict when it will be visible above Earth. Precisely so. I think that's pretty definitive. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> it's quarter past twelve. We've already solved the mystery. But we haven't bowled any maidens over. At least not deliberately. It's quarter past twelve. Mystery Hour with James O'Brien on LBC. 18 minutes after 12 is the time. Um, there might be a steward's inquiry on the horizon, but I'm, I'm not actually sure yet. What I do know is that I have a couple of phone lines free for your questions, if you've got a question that needs answering. 0345 is the number that you need. Um, still in need of an answer? Just I like these. We can only take one a week, otherwise we'd do nothing else. Origins of phrases. Why maiden for a, for a, for a runless over? In the game of cricket, why is it called a maiden over? Do we know? Oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three. I went to Lords for the very first time last week, um, and my goodness me, it was a magnificent experience. It really was absolutely magnificent. Just do more stuff like that. There's so much stuff on your doorstep wherever you're listening, whether you're in a big city or not. There's so much stuff you don't do the stuff that's nearby. I lived next door to Tower Bridge in the Tower of London the first year I lived in London, and I didn't visit there until. For 10, 15 years later when I had children. It's bizarre. And that's relevant also to people who missed me saying, it's all very well saying, you never said what was the most visited tourist attraction in Britain. Yes, I did. You just didn't hear. It's the British Museum. Uh, Back to mystery, huh? 
you can answer that question or if you've got one of your own, the uh, phone lines are open. Virginia is in Kingston. Virginia, question or answer? Question. Yes. My question is, why do we apportion emotional pain to our heart and not to our brain? It also rhymes. I might make a rule. All questions have to rhyme for the rest. For the ah, you're very poetic. I think that's part of the answer, isn't it? (laughs) No, because you say heartbroken, heartache, heavy heart, but it's our brains that hurt, not our hearts. Well, no, because if it was your brain, you should be able to rationalise it. So if you're upset about something, you should be able to explain to yourself why you, why you shouldn't be. But that doesn't work. There's something beyond logic that the heart is used to depict. The brain is the home of logic. The heart is the home of feeling. Feelings don't have to be rational. Logic does. Yeah, but that's poetic. That's not reality. It's your brain that hurts. It's the brain that's thinking, I miss him or her or whatever. Is it? You're romantic. I am very romantic. Well spotted. That's not an answer. No, it's, well, I, I don't understand the question in that case. Well, because really... Because you ask for the why, and the why is, is, I mean, what you say is accurate, but the why is because we think of our brain as being logical, and therefore when our emotions, which are often illogical, kick in, we need to, we need to sort of make sense of that by putting them somewhere that isn't logical, uh, uh, therefore the heart. No, I still think that's too romantic, because actually it's a thinking process that's hurting you. But the answer is romantic. It was probably medieval poets that did it first, or the Greeks, or Sappho, or someone like that, who first came up with the idea of the heart being the repository of feelings, and the head being the repository of of thoughts. Let me let me quote Keats to you, Virginia. That should help you. And Keats, Keats said, Oh, for a life of sensation rather than of thought... You would put thought in the brain and sensation in the heart. He sort of didn't want to think. Emotions are what happens when we're not thinking. Mm, okay, it's, it's still, it's still a, the physicality. We even touch our hearts when we're thinking about something emotional. But it is a thought, isn't it? It's a thought, and we don't think, well, I wish that thought would go away. You actually feel it's a physical thing in your heart. Why is that? Well, I, I sense you're, you're not going to allow me to quibble with the quality of your question, are you? No. Fine. Okay, so why do we talk about the heart as the home of emotion? Not just pain, but but emotional pleasure as well. And emotional thought. Yeah, all right. Flipping heck. (laughs) 22 minutes after 12. You're listening to James O'Brien on LBC. Uh, Elizabeth is in Chiswick. Elizabeth, question or answer? Question, Steve. How old are you? I'm nine. What does your daddy do for a living? what you're doing does your mother know you're phoning me at work yes (laughs) what's your question darling we we to see what we say okay Um, why does our broadband never work when it's raining why does broadband never work when it's raining (laughs) (laughs) that's one of my best questions ever and if uh if, if we get the answer will you make sure the broadband is fixed by the time i get home later we'll try all right carry on girls Bye-bye. Okay, okay, so that's the closest I've ever come to losing it completely on the radio. Thanks for that. Okay, Mrs. O'Brien will have some questions to answer when we get home, my little cherubs. Why does broadband kick in, not work when it's raining? Same with the skybox as well, actually. I don't know if you find that, but really, really bad rain plays all sorts of havoc with electrical signals. Um, and you would expect by now the technology to have reached a place where it doesn't. Uh, Terry, mate, can you just talk for a couple of minutes while I have a little emotional moment to myself? Yeah, okay, as long as it's not in your heart. <laughs> no, it's not. Well, it, I think it is in my heart, actually, but it's my eyes I'm worried about at the moment. What's your question, Terry? It's in, in the way that we feed birds in the back garden and encouraged to do, and you can buy all sorts of stuff to do it. Yeah. Can you feed bees? Because bees are under pressure. Not oh, only are they pressure. dying off for no apparent reason. 
Yes. But this winter's, uh, this, this summer, sorry, um, they're very hungry, apparently. And I was just wondering, is there something you can do? Well, <laughs> I, hope I'm not. I, know, I know beekeepers do. <laughs> they, they feed them sugar and they feed them pollen and water down honey, but I don't know if it's just stupid because you'll attract all other sorts of things. And well, what, what do bees bee eat? What, what do bees eat when they're not being fed by a beekeeper? Well, they, well, they, well, they, they eat... eat they eat pollen, don't they? Exactly. But so they, just they have as many flowers as possible in your garden, don't you? Yeah, but it's not, it's not working at the moment. Why not? And, um, well, because they're not... It's not so you don't... What you, sorry, I need to clarify. You want to know if you can feed bees with something that isn't a flower? Yeah, no, I, I would say, yeah, plant more flowers. That's great. But can you do something immediate, like give, putting out nuts for birds <laughs> or seeds? <laughs> I love this question. Do you, are you also keen to, to to feed bees out of your hand? Do you want to put <laughs> sit on the patio, <laughs> tempting all the bees? Oh, to... I don't think. I think. I think you're being a bit ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this, is very, this is serious. Can you bees. feed bees like you feed birds? You, you say. Well, you, you can feed hummingbirds with sugar water. <laughs> I'm sure you're Not right. Here. No, I know. So you want to know what you can leave in your garden to help the bees. Yeah, and can, oh. is there anything you can actually buy, like a, a bee feeder, where they go in and take stuff and come out? And... If you can't buy a bee feeder, mate, I, we'll go halves on the profits, all right? Well, if not, I want to paint it. That, yeah, absolutely right. We'll put it out there with fishages, which is for listeners who've been here for a very, very long time. Can you feed bees like you feed birds? So three four five six zero six zero nine seven three. Why does my broadband, why does our broadband go south whenever it rains? What's the origin of the phrase? A maiden over in the context of cricket. There's something for everybody here, isn't there? Um, Cameron's in Basingstoke. Question or answer, Cameron? Hi there. Um, it's a question, please. Carry on. Um, so I came from Germany, and I always thought the na- na- national anthem is supposed to be about the country. And uh, Deutschland, so Deutschland, 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 Uber Alice. And, and, uh, that, that, that's not allowed anymore. Is it not? Um, what is it no, now? Um, <laughs> I didn't just offend you, did I? Un- 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 unwittingly. <laughs> what is what is the German national anthem now? Sing me a sing me a bar. Einigkeit und Einigkeit und Shame on you. Should have stuck. Should have stuck with. Freiheit für das deutsche Vaterland. And it's all about the fatherland. It's all about the fatherland. That's yes, <laughs> that's just because my girls are still listening. They'd have liked that one. <laughs> hey, yeah, the of, yes. Um, so why is the English or, or the British anthem not about the country but about the Queen? Ooh, yes. Our national anthem isn't. Our national anthem isn't actually about our country or our nation. It's about our unelected monarch. Exactly. Why? <laughs> Good question. Why is the British national anthem about the Queen and not about the country? Because you could have had Land of Hope and Glory. I much prefer Land of Hope and Glory. It's much more rousing. Cameron, thank you very much indeed. George is in Ealing. Question or answer, George? I have a question for you. Come on then. Why is it that a cement mixer rotates anti-clockwise? Now, I know it's geared to rotate anti-clockwise, but why? Why, why not? I know that sounds like a silly response, but why, why, why not? OK, because the majority of things rotate clockwise, don't they? Hands of a clock, you well, know... When you clock, clocks, yes, but not, I don't know if other stuff does. What does the washing machine do? Rotates clockwise. Does it? So does so the tumble dryer. Doesn't it depend whether you're standing in front of it or behind it? If you go and stand behind the cement mixer, it's rotating clockwise. 
Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll give you that. But if you look at it face on, <laughs> face on, it rotates and clockwise, doesn't it? And the majority of things rotate clockwise. Unless you're standing behind them, maybe the maybe the cement mixer, the 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 actual bit where you get the cement out is actually the back of the cement mixer in terms of the engine. Yeah, it is. I'm not waffling. I'm nailing. This is the sound of nailing, mate. Not waffling. You're waffling. You're waffling. Because you know as well as I do that everything <laughs> rotates clockwise and a cement mixer doesn't, although it's geared not to, it, but why? It does because rotate clockwise. You're just looking at it, it from doesn't. the wrong end. Okay, so if you look at a washing machine face on and a tumble dryer face on, they rotate clockwise. Yeah, but they've got the hole in the front, you see. A cement mixer has the hole in the back. No, I've got, I've got you. Yeah, on, got, what do you mean you've got me? I've no Come claim on, to... Put, no. It up. put it up on the wall. Put it up on the wall. Come on, Adam, put it on the wall. <laughs> All right, then. Why does a cement mixer rotate anti-clockwise while other stuff, like clocks, <laughs> rotates clotwise? 0345 is, is the number to call. Um, this is neither a question nor an answer, Wayne in Basildon. What, what, what? Speak up. It's a question. Go on, then. Um, I just want to know, in all the reporting about Boris Johnson's water cannons, <laughs> they're referred to as water cannon yeah. in the singular when there's more than one of them, and they're referred to, they should be called water cannons. No. And it's always water cannon and not the water cannon. No, it's like fish. Cannon is plural and singular. But how could, you'd say, if you had a tank, you'd say deploying the tanks. Yeah, and, but that's because it's not like fish. Uh, I'm confused. Why? Because even Nick, Nick, Nick even said this morning, those water cannon. Do you say fishes? Yeah. What? Yeah. Go fishing and you say, how many fishes did you catch? Sometimes, yeah. That is, I don't you lying. <laughs> you absolute <laughs> fibber. I can't believe you tried to style that one out. I don't fish. <laughs> no, 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 come, no, 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 seriously, seriously, come here, right? I caught... You You would say cannons. No, I say cannon because I know that it's like fish. I'm not not having it. What do you mean you're not having it? Because it's cannons. There's there's more than one. Yeah, there's more than one fish, but you still say 12 fish. 12 cannon. There must be other things. Come on, help me out. There must be something else that's got the singular and plural. I'm not having it. Sheep. Cannon, fish, sheep. So why is that then? Oh, get lost. You've had your answer, mate. Round of applause for me. <laughs> Half past twelve is the time. Mystery Hour with James O'Brien on LBC. 34 minutes after 12. Flipping heck. The stuff that you pick me up on, honestly, it's unbelievable. Fishes is for multiple fish of different species, says Callum in Surrey. Fish for single or multiple of same. Lena tells me that the plural of fish is only fish if they're all the same. If more than one type is present, the plural would be fishes. I know this because I am a dive master with over 1,000 dives and spent four months on a marine conservation project in the Philippines where we had to be able to identify over 200 species of fish and coral. And this probably my most... Uh, I, I prefer your way of reminding me of the plural of fish. Luca Brassi sleeps with the fishes. Remember that from The Godfather? Luca Brassi sleeps with the fishes. Yeah, all right, I'll stick with sheep then. It doesn't change my answer to the question about why we say several cannon instead of several cannons. It's one of those words that lends itself to singular and plural without any change. Dan's in Southfields. Dan, question or answer? Hi, James. It's it's an answer. Carry on. Feeding bees. Yeah, you can feed bees. I do it with my daughter. Go on. Um, If you 
if you certain times of the year when you see them when you see them occasionally sort of crawling around on a patio on the floor and they look like they're dying yeah um, apparently it's just because they're tired oh, right? they run out of energy and if you <laughs> and if you get a spoon if you get some white sugar and and just a bit of warm water and mix it up into a syrup and put it on the spoon and feed them it they'll they'll eat it off the spoon they'll sit there drinking it and then they'll which obviously you know if you've got kids it's a fun fun thing to do and they and yes, it is a really fun thing spoon. to do i love that and they'll and then they'll you know after a couple of minutes they'll recover and you, and they'll fly away and uh and apparently it's just that they run out of you know at certain times of the year if there's not enough nectar around they get exhausted and and you know you, you give them a little boost and off they go and, and i like the sort of antidote you provide in a way to uh helicopter parenting because you know some people listening will be going, oh what if you get stung what if you get stung but that's that's life isn't it you feed a bee you maybe what? occasionally get stung or well, the bee might actually be so grateful to you that it guards you for the rest of your life I've indeed i've never been i've certainly never been stung doing it and they're or feeding you know, a bee um, i'd love the idea of someone just tuning in just now just just the radio going <laughs> well i've certainly never been stung while feeding a bee well that's good to know dan yeah, it's a bit random but, <laughs> love but, um, it. would you like a mystery hour round of applause why not that would be and, and what just grains of sugar or do you make a sort of liquid out of it no you have to put a bit of a bit of um water with it a bit yeah. of warm water um, and you have to really, you know, you put it in front of them. They won't, they won't kind of, you know, find you. But as I say, if they're on the floor crawling around struggling, it's very easy. You just go up to them, yeah. give them their little spoon, you know, and they, oh. they, they put their... Put it actually in front of them. So you can't, you can, you can, you can lead a bee to sugar water, but you can't make it drink. That's right. <laughs> Dan, that's lovely, mate. I, I'll try that this summer, actually. Oh, no, I can't. Summer's finished. It's 12.37. Jay's in Dagenham. Jay, question or answer? It's an answer, please. Come on then, Jay. Um... First of all, washing machines spin both ways. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> and dryers, I'm sure they spin anti-clockwise. Yeah, I thought that as well, but, uh, you know, the fellow was getting a bit previous. I didn't want to make it personal. <laughs> also, with the um, cement mixers, the yeah. reason why they spin anti-clockwise is when you're loading, like when you're putting sand and cement in it with your shovel, you're normally, most people, standing to the to the right of it. So when you throw your shovel in with whatever you're putting in there, if it catches your shovel, it kicks it up rather than down, so it doesn't pull you with it, but it just sort of kicks your shovel out. And when you're standing behind it, and you're pouring the cement out, that's where your handles are, so it's spinning clockwise that way. From, from, from the point, so, yeah, I think you're onto something. I think the shovel will, will please the questioner more than the emptying it out. So what would happen if it was spinning clockwise and you got your shovel caught on the side? It would pull you rather than push you away from it, so it would pull you to it. And Crikey, it would. You're right. You'd be bending down, wouldn't you? And that would p- run right. the risk of ending up with your head in a cement mixer, which is, is definitely not something that you want to be trying. Whereas <laughs> if it pushes you up, it would push you backwards. Yeah, push you away. That's one of my favourite answers ever, and I thought it was one of the worst questions. That shows how much I know. That's a really, really good bit of information. Thank you. Oh, hang on. What are your qualifications? Uh, I worked in construction for a long time, and it's just uh, I thought it would be common sense to know that if it pulls you, you'd fall, whereas if it pushes you, you've got more chance of standing up or not hitting it with your head, as you said. Well, it sounds you this. Thank you. (laughs) You're very welcome. I like that a lot. Um, Do you know how bad my handwriting is? I'm just trying to work out what question we asked about natural antlers. What did we do about natural antlers? Natural antlers. Why have we got a question about natural antlers? Do we have a question about hunting? National antlers. Why 
the question was, does our national anthem feature the Queen and not the actual nation? I don't know if there'll be an answer to that, but if you've got one, I want to hear it. 0345 Why does our broadband fail in the rain? 0345 And why do we call a runless over in cricket a maiden? Hit the numbers now, you will get through. I think they're the only three left on the board, aren't we? We're picking them off today. Sean's in Bromley. Question or answer, Sean? Uh, it's a question. Go on, then. Uh, why, when air goes past your body at speed, does it feel cold? Like, if it's a hot day and I go down a hill on a bike without my top off, so air feels colder than it actually is. It's wind chill factor, isn't it? Yeah, but what what is that? The, 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 the air closest to your skin gets warmed up by your skin and then obviously if there's a breeze it doesn't it's getting blown off you all the time and your body is trying to warm up the new cold air which makes you feel cold oh is that actually what it is yeah it's not the best available explanation of wind chill factor but i think it would get me a pass at gcse do you see do you see what i mean so if you're standing still your temperature skin temperature is going to be a lot more constant than if you're moving around because you're moving into new air all the time and it's the same with a breeze or the same if you're going down a hill you, you, you your body can't warm up the air around you because the air keeps moving therefore you're pumping heat out of your body in an attempt a vain attempt to heat up the air around you and that makes your skin feel cold i think it's the same reason why when you lick your finger and blow on it it's colder than it is when you haven't licked your finger so if it was if the air was hotter than body temperature you wouldn't get the windshield factor. No, right? you wouldn't. But you wouldn't feel cool either. If you, I mean, if you're going down a hill at full speed in a, in, in, a, in a really, really hot country, you get hotter and hotter and hotter. You don't feel cooler. Ah, OK. Nice one. Am, am I all right with that, do you think? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, nice one. Cheers. Wow. That, how do I know that? Mystery hour. I've learnt that from and That's why we do it, partly. That and the opportunity to laugh at beef eaters. Lewis is in Watford. Lewis, question or answer? I've got an answer for you, James. Bring it on, Lewis. Uh, it's about your broadband and satellite issue in the rain. Yes. Rain fade. Rain fade. What causes it? Shut the rain, front door. You just fade. made that up. Rain fade. That's no. like brain fade. <laughs> no, no. It's real, real term. Real term. Um, so what yeah. happens is, so you've got your broadband router. Yeah. Is connected via a cable, via a series of different connections and substations to a main up and down link position. Yeah. Which will then be connected via satellite to where kind of the main broadband server position is. Right. So you actually have an extraterrestrial connection, so it goes out of the atmosphere, and of course when it rains, that's uh, a physical obstruction between the two points of the satellite. That will weaken signal at a slightly, uh, attenuate the signal, causing like a ripple effect. So if you're right down the end of the line and your signal into your broadband route isn't particularly strong in the first place, you'll find you'll have issues with it when it rains. What can you do to fix it? Uh, not a lot. Move. Well, move house. Move house. Move move close to a substation and you have more chance of it being a bit more reliable. It's a bit drastic. My daughters are still listening. I don't think that's on the agenda any time no, soon. No, just so, so that they can carry on playing yeah, go, Minecraft. Go, go outside. Go outside. <laughs> stop, stop using the internet. Yeah, exactly. Go and feed some bees. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that TV show when we were kids, uh, why don't you go out and do something less boring instead? There you go. I love that. What are your qualifications? I think I know. Uh, I've been doing aerials and satellites for the last 12 years. I'm currently sat next to a satellite in the rain. And sitting, oh, sounds like, a, sounds like a country and western song, that. Sitting next to a satellite <laughs> in the rain. What's the next big thing, Lewis? Is there a next big thing coming along? Not really. There's a lot of gimmicks. Um, 
fiber optic is good. But see, fiber optic could be the answer to uh, your broadband question. Actually. Rain fade could be the solution to my rain fade issues. Exactly, exactly. So, but uh, yeah, that's a postcode so lottery at the moment. Well, great work, and it's earned you a round of applause. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> He's easily excited, don't know, no, you know, sitting next to a satellite in the rain. I get my guitar out, sitting next to it. No, I don't. I haven't got one. Professor Howe's in Brighton. Question or answer, Professor Howe? It's a supplementary answer to the excellent mm. answer you just gave about windshield factor. Yeah, well done. Covered you back there. Not, not launching a steward's inquiry. Go on. No, no, you're quite right. That, yes. um, I think you told uh, me in the first place, but there you go. Yeah, but you, there was something, a tiny little thing you missed. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the, the cold air is constantly being replaced by other cold air. So each bit of cold air that goes past you is warmed up slightly by your skin. And the faster it's replaced, the more heat is taken away from your skin by the subsequent cold air. But also, the big sort of glaring gap in your answer was sweat, oh. of course. Yes. Um, which I think we touched upon about four weeks ago, that um, sweat exists so that um, air passing over it will cause it to evaporate and the diffusion shells are actually blown away. And for every gram of sweat... It takes away 4.2 joules, which is a calorie, um, because water's got quite a um, high uh, specific heat capacity. Uh, you're right. I should have mentioned sweat. What, what's the temperature, then, at which it stops working? Do you know? It's not a trick question. You're perfectly entitled to say that you don't. But the point at which actually sweating doesn't cool you down, because the air around you is so hot. Well, I think it, well, as it approaches body temperature. Yeah. Um, so there's an equilibrium. That's about 37 degrees, is it? Yeah, there's, there's no um, gradient. There's, there's got to be a temperature gradient. So if, if, if all the air around you is hotter than, than the temperature what is in you, for want of more scientific lingo, then the wind chill factor is never going to be a thing and sweating, although you'd carry on sweating, you, 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 it wouldn't dissipate and it wouldn't cool you down. Well, actually, if you imagine going to the desert, if yeah. hot, hot air, hot air would actually cause the sweat to evaporate more so I think it works a bit the other way around, doesn't it? Yes. We're tying ourselves up in knots here. And get hotter. Yes. I mean, hot, the, the, worst, the worst thing possible is hot, dry air, because basically that causes the sweat to evaporate even faster. And your skin you gets get, hotter and hotter and hotter yes, in the process. you get dehydrated. Oh, I, I wasn't going to give you a round of applause, because I thought you were just sort of picking up mackerel from the back of my trawler like, a, like a, an out-of-control seagull. But as usual, Professor Hal, you have confounded my prediction. Professor Howell, for uh, non-familiars, is the Professor of the Public Understanding of Science at the University of Brighton, and the more you've listened to Mystery Hour, the more you'd have realised how lucky his students must be. It's 12.46. 12.50 is the time you're listening to James O'Brien on LBC, where mysteries are being solved at a rate of knots, but we don't know why the British national anthem features the Queen, the monarch, rather than the nation. Um, is it just because we are, as some people are suggesting, a nation of subservient, forelock-tugging subjects as opposed to free and independent citizens? I certainly hope not. And I've, I know this, I've worked it out. Well, when I say I've worked it out, I've read quite a lot of answers on social media, um, but we don't take them on the show, so I'll probably get away with a round of applause myself. Why is a maiden over? Uh, a runless over in the game of cricket called a maiden over. Oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three. If you can answer either of those, or if you want to get a question of your own on the board, um, let's go to Denny, who's in Banstead. Question or answer, Denny? Hi, James. I'm in mid uh, uh, dinner at the moment. It's great. Oh, uh, you're having your lunch. Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt, well, I've been, Denny. I've been told. No, it's all right. No, it's ten minutes ago. She said to me, "Come on, your dinner's getting cold." What are you having? So anyway, I'm having fish and chips. It's really lovely. Oh, what lunch. homemade or shop shop bought? It's, um, I'm in a lunch club, so it's lunch mate. Oh. And it's, um, I've had to apologise to these uh, lovely ladies around me for talking on the phone while I'm eating. Do, do, you want me to anyway. co- do you want me to talk to any of them just to confirm no, that you are live on LBC? 
Oh, um, Carol, would you like to say hello to James O'Brien on LBC? Hello. Hello, how's the fish and chips? She just said hello. Oh, that's all right then. You carry on. I know my place. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Now, the question. Yes. If you, I don't know if you're a fan of Coronation Street. I am. But what a, oh, fantastic. Then you probably noticed that when people drink cups of tea, according to the camera angle, the cups are obviously empty. Why? Why? You want to know why? I want to know why. I have had one answer, which I don't really accept. They said that if they spill the tea, they've got to reset the, the, the scene and do the thing all over again. But having said that, when you do like scenes in the, in the pubs, like the Rovers Return, you can see they're drinking from glasses. You can see the so-called alcohol. Newton and Ridley. So nice pint of Newton and Ridley, and it goes down between the scenes, and it's not that hard to top it up. thing is, are you 100% certain that, that the teacups are empty? Yeah, definitely. Because the camera angle shows it. So if you look straight, look a little bit over the cup, yeah. And not sort of there's nothing properly. there. There's nothing. There's no the meniscus. The, nothing there. The way they're holding the cup, there's, they appear to be sitting from it, and it's, you know, clearly empty. Oh, I love that. Danny, let me keep you... Are you mushy peas at all, or is it just the fish and the chips? It's peas, but not mushy peas, and there's a nice uh, tomato with it and um, a, a lemon. Wow, wow. And are you the only man at that table, Danny? Are you surrounded by lovely ladies? Um, well, the thing is, I do um, some entertaining here, so I'll get a lunch before I start singing. I them out. So I could tell you how. I could tell you. I could tell you how to touch the old stardust. Thank you so much. You're thank, a star. thank you, sir. You're the star. I'll try and get you an answer, and I shall keep you from your fish and chips no longer, uh, Denny. There. Why do the characters in Coronation Street drink out of empty cups? Let, Les Dennis is in Coronation Street now. I'm one of my favourite people in the world of showbiz, um, I, uh, but I don't know if he's listening. Uh, got a lot of EastEnders people who listen, but I don't know if we've reached the the, the wilds of Salford yet. Oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three. If you are listening, Les, uh, Frank's in Neasden. Frank, what would you like to tell us? Question or answer? Question or answer, James, about oh. the cricketing term bowling the maiden over. Splendid. Right. Uh, the the uh, the English maiden has its equivalent in the German Fraulein and the French Mademoiselle and the Spanish Senorita. They all have one thing in common. They're not married. And back in the day, that meant they were untouched and unsullied. And so if a role, if, a, if, a, if an over is uh, bowled with no score, they, the, the over is the over is virginal. But, yeah, well, yeah. or, or, or in, in more modern palaces, as you just alluded to yourself no score so no score no describes score. a virgin and no, no score describes score. describes a cricket over with no runs as well <laughs> never scored yeah <laughs> all right i thought it was funny frank i mean don't kill yourself <laughs> yeah so um what? As I said, no no score virginal what are your qualifications i used to play cricket when i was at school i was my specialized in spin bowling well so did i but i didn't specialize in spin bowling but i wouldn't have known the answer to that necessarily well, you weren't putting two and two together, James. I'll get you. All right, everyone's a critic. Give him a round of applause, quick, before I change my mind. Thank you, Frank. Oh, and I completely forgot about that question from Virginia, which was very rude of me, actually, because we took ages trying to work out what it was she was asking. Luckily, Ralph is here from Bournemouth. Ralph, question or answer? Uh, answer. Carry on. About heart brain. Why, why do we associate emotions with our heart instead of our brain, where, of course, all sort of consciousness resides? Yeah, well, it's not, that's not actually true. Oh, all right. There's an Institute of Heart Math in the United States, and they've been doing research for about 20 years. Yeah. And the heart produces an electromagnetic field 5,000 times stronger than the brain. Wow. Also has, um, you know, the endocrine system. The what? That produces hormones. Hormones? 
Yeah, produced by the pituitary, thyroid, etc., adrenals. But but the ancients wouldn't have known that, would they? And it was no, 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 no. But um, it's been found now that the heart produces hormones, and it's also um got a basic neuronal pattern, like as much as in the brainstem. But, it actually contains neurons, which are brain cells. But the, but the people who like in the mists of time who decided to associate the heart with feeling wouldn't have known any of this. No, they wouldn't. Have, um, so why did they do it? Well, it goes back to mysticism, where they would. If you said like. There's an inner mystic who said to if you said to a person, yeah, um, I'm talking to you, and anybody would see me, and they'd always point to the same spot in their heart. They'd see it as the centre of consciousness and centre of their being. That's a traditional thing, virtually universally. And even even in the mists of time, before we had anything that resembled medicine, just probably on a battlefield, they could work out that the beating of the heart determined whether someone stayed alive or not. Oh, yes, 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 that's all. Yeah. What are your qualifications, Ralph? Um, M.A. Foxford. In um, I did one languages first. I did a term of philosophy and psychology. And that's where you picked it up. Well, I think uh, it's. I think no, no, I did it later. I also did diploma in osteopathy. It stood you in good stead. Would you like a round of applause? Yes, please. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. No, oh, thank you very much. It was seaside yesterday. There's a lot of people at the seaside listening to the program at the moment. <laughs> you noticed that? <laughs> um, but no one from Cor- no one from Coronation Street yet. No. Oh, come on. Why do you drink out of empty teacups, you freaks? Richard's in Hendon. Richard, question or answer? It's an answer. Marvellous! To the national anthem. Take it away. It was never actually originally designed to be a national anthem. Really? It was It was composed after a king was attacked on the way to a theatre, and the guy in the orchestra composed it on the hurry. It only had one verse, the God Save the King verse. What king got attacked and on the way to the theatre? It caught on... And yeah, I'll back up a bit. Back, back, whoa, 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 whoa. What king got attacked on the way to the theatre? Uh, I believe it was one in the 1700s. I oh. think it was one of the King Georges. Good answer. George, good to, it'd be George IV, probably, wouldn't it? Because he was catting around with the likes of... I can't remember who he was catting around with, but he was a bit of a sort of moral incontinent. So that makes sense. So they, they, they hurled abuse at him or attacked him on the way to the theatre, and when he got there, a member of the orchestra came up with God save our gracious king, God save our... No-. That's why the words are so rubbish, because it was done on the hoof on the back of a fact packet. That's what it was, but yeah. it was only designed for that. Um, but it, was pr- it proved so popular at the end of the performance that they did it after every performance. I like that. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't answer the specific question of why it doesn't speak of the nation. It but it go, yes, go on. It answers. It wasn't designed. Exactly. Wasn't designed. Exactly. It was never meant to. Quick round of applause for Richard. I love that. Didn't have time to ask what his qualifications are, but um, the next voice that you're about to hear is so replete with qualifications that I'm sure we won't notice the omission. I'm James O'Brien. This is LBC. We'll do it again tomorrow from ten. Here's Sheila Fogarty. Oh, the pressure. The pressure. Thanks very much.